Hey everybody, welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast. This is kind of a special edition as you already know because you've been uh, you've been informed and you've decided to purchase the pod pack. So I want to thank everybody for that and I'm sure the, the charity will thank you as well. Uh, you'll probably thank yourself because you have a, a nice warm feeling of doing something good for both charity and the country and podcasters and your mom probably benefits somehow from this. I don't know. Uh, but thank you, everybody, who uh, – thank thank you, specifically you who are listening to this right now for purchasing the podcast. Appreciate it. Uh, we have a couple of topics today. I know I did a lot of research about the religions of Westeros, um, not just Westeros, but the important religions in Planetos, the world of Game of Thrones. Uh, what's your topic today, Aaron? Uh, I want to talk about uh, Valeria, old Valeria, uh, specifically the Doom of Valeria, because I feel like that's something that doesn't get brought up a lot in the show, and yet the Valerian people through the Targaryens are such an important part of the show and the concept of Valerian steel and um uh and 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 honestly is also a weak point in my own knowledge so uh a, and a lot of a lot of new information came to light uh, a lot of new shit came to light in the world of ice uh, of uh, the world of ice and fire encyclopedia that George Martin et al released a couple years back so i thought uh, we, i'd do a little like a book report on that and and uh, hit up the usual suspects online and crack open the world of ice and fire and and tell you what i found out about it I might have some questions because, yeah, I don't know much about the Doom of Valeria either. So. so what's interesting is that, like, if you talk about, like, when recorded history began around 8,000 years ago during the, the Age of Heroes, it's called. That's when, like, the Wall was built. That's when the Long Night happened. That's when a lot of Zandals. these... These, 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 um, that's when a lot of these, well, no, it's actually no, the, the first, the, men, the right? first men, yeah. they were like brand the builder was building Winterfell and the wall. And, uh, th- that's when like all these big monuments and no one can figure out how it was built because apparently the long night, a, a winter that lasts generations really knocked Westeros on its ass. <laughs> Uh, because yeah. m- uh, overall, an Essos, which you know, I've always assumed uh, uh, sh- sh- bore a little bit of brunt of a global ice age. It seems like they recovered much quicker because a lot of what you would call kind of modern Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire civilization, seems to have come over and several waves of migrations from Essos. And the Valerians are behind a lot of this. So. Hmm. About five thousand years ago, Essos was dominated by this empire called uh, uh, Gis. G H I S. It could be geese, it could be gis, but I'm going to choose to pronounce it gis. Um, And it was uh, an old empire that was built on slavery, and they controlled a vast majority of the continent. And the Valerians at the time were a minor civilization of essentially sheep herders. Uh, it sounds a lot like kind of like the Israelites uh, of the Bible. They're just they're just uh-huh. out there in a the desert herding sheep, uh, dwelling within the mountains. Uh, until they they kind of pushed into this peninsula that's famous for this chain of volcano called the chain of volcanoes and volcanic activity called the Fourteen Flames, and apparently the Valerians using some of their tribal magic were able to tame these dragons and turn them into the beasts of war that will become globally famous later, and they became a, a, a regional power in the area. Um, so they after they they and it's it's interesting because when you look at the like the pictures in the world of ice and fire for uh the the valerians 
uh, their cities is shown to be uh, it's like something that you would think that like uh pinhead from hellraiser would live in <laughs> like they're just obsidian uh, statues with the with obsidian towers with like uh these gargoyle looking dragons everywhere and the streets are literally like imagine venice only replaced water with lava and all the buildings are black wow. and there's, there's just gouts of because it's they're they're in the middle of all these volcanoes mm-hmm. and yet when they describe the like the valerian nobility they're described as these extremely beautiful, almost inhumanly beautiful people. They've got very fair skin. They've got the, you know, the silver white, silver blonde hair. They've got the, the violet eyes, very striking. Like mm-hmm. you'd think people that lived in the pit of a volcano, they'd just be covered in soot and their <laughs> hair would be singed. But they're always <laughs> right. these like just beautiful, almost like like high elves from yeah. – from, and, and in fact, I kept on seeing it like the almost – described as almost inhumanly beautiful. I wondered like at one point George saw the Valerians as being, you know, uh, related to the elves from the Lord of the Rings. You know, kind of like they're supposed to be mm-hmm. these otherworldly better than than the normal men. Right. You know, the first men, these unwashed savages that just, you know, took over Westeros thousands of years ago. Um but anyway, they they started butting heads with this uh, empire of Gis that controlled much of Essos, and the Discari attempted to stop their expansion, um, and they had had a series of five different wars. And Gis was famous for this lockstep legion, which kind of inspired the um, combat of the Unsullied, where they would have these, you know, yeah, it's, it's very similar to like Ro- Roman legionnaires yeah. or the Greek. Uh, phalanxes where they'd march in very close formation move as one unit they had impenetrable for formations of of shields and then they'd get you with the spears um but the Valeri- valerians were able to defeat them with the help of their dragons yeah. and magic um and then Even they the finally best military tactics are probably not going to stand up so i guess they kept like a series of five wars the giscari tried to defeat the valerians uh before they got out of their peninsula kind of contain them mm-hmm. and the valerians got tired and finally marched on old gis and just completely destroyed it that described in the literature as being raised to the ground sewing its seals with salt sulfur and skulls that's biblical, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and just completely destroying the old empire. And the only remnants are still like the old slave towns of Astaparor and Yunkai and Marine. They're like the, the remnants, and they try to – in fact, uh, once the Valerians are destroyed in the Doom of Valeria, they try to resurrect that culture and, and, and take a lot of their national prestige and pride from the fact that they're, they're the followers of this old, this, this old slave empire. Hmm. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is that – Apparently, the maesters of Westeros think that the Valerians uh, traveled as far as Old Town and actually predated the arrival of the First Men, that they'd set that up as a trading outpost. Hmm. Um, and that another, uh, one archmaester speculates that the uh, Valerians met some kind of tragedy or they contracted some sort of disease or some kind of debacle on Westeros um, made them completely abandon the continent and then not visit it for thousands of years. It was almost like a, a superstitious dread of the country, um, which you know we might, we might speculate about here in a bit. I, uh, I would argue that you can't predate the first men. <laughs> but they're not, they By might definition. not be men. They might be quasi-elven, special, okay. beautiful people. Go. That's fine. Um, but the fur like capital F, capital M. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, they uh, they defeated Old Gis, but they decided, you know what? They got us. They got something going with this slave deal, and they <laughs> completely embraced slavery and made oh, it geez. even worse because, like, 
being sentenced to the mines in Valeria was like as bad as being sentenced to any old salt mine, except for you were essentially digging through lava and magma. Mm-hmm. And the caverns the slaves were said to be working in, the, like, the rock was too hot to touch, yeah. and it was just choking. So like, and they just lost scores of slaves, but they were constantly drive them to go deeper into more dangerous areas because they wanted. Uh, they wanted iron and uh, ore that they could make into steel, and then later they discovered the secrets of Valerian steel, which was coveted the world over. Mm-hmm. And they wanted silver and gold to pay for all their conquests and to to keep. It's it's kind of like this self fulfilling machine that they're building. And if and, I know anything from Minecraft, you gotta go deep, yeah, to get the obsidian. You gotta delve deep to get that obsidian, yeah. Uh, so this ever expanding slave empire that they're making essentially um, became like spanned almost all of Westeros and caused the other mass migrations of humanity to Westeros. In antiquity, they drove the Andals from the land that then settled into Westeros. Mm-hmm. And then with uh, somewhere between 700 and 900 years before the uh, conquest of Aegon, the Rhoynar people who lived amongst us uh, on the banks of the River Rhoyne, um, they were driven across. And this was actually you know something that was recorded in history. Uh, Princess Nymeria led the remnants of her people, mostly women and children, because the men had died in the wars, and they settled in the Dorne, hmm. which I've okay. talked about a little bit on the spoiler podcast that that explains why the Dornish are slightly more urbane or they have a slightly different like they're 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 a lot more closely related to Essos and 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 uh, Valerian ideals of of sexuality and morality mm-hmm. um and then there's also a series of free cities that uh was either founded by like like Lys the the pleasure city was founded by these dragon lords in uh, uh Valeria as like a pleasure city that they could go to um, and then there's others, uh, the free cities where they were able to buy off the Valerians and, and appease them with tribute and able to retain their native like forms of government. And then there's the other odd dog, Bravos, which was a colony of escaped slaves where they were on like some sort of slave ship and they overthrew their masters, went as far away from Valeria as they could possibly get and founded this this town in this marshy swamp that was hidden for hundreds of years from the rest of the world. And they were able to, to essentially kind of have this flourishing trade empire underneath the, 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 the nose of the Valerians. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, so there, there, the Valeria was, um, unless you were a slave was, it's called the freehold of Valeria because essentially any citizen that owned land was a full member of the, the 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 government, and they had all the rights. And then there was a class of like nobility called the dragon lords, and those were the ones who were powerful enough and could afford to to hold dragons. Hmm. And the okay. Targaryens, it's like having horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Targaryens were like a very low level member of this. They weren't very a very important member of the 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 the, the, the dragon lords. But hmm. they had a daughter, um, Danis. Um, who about uh, uh, about 12 years before the Doom of Valeria, she had this vision where she saw all of Valerian being consumed of, of, of by fire, and it scared her father bad enough that he took all of his household, packed them up on as many ships as he had, and took all five of their family dragons, and they settled over on Dragonstone, which about 100 years before the Valerians had established an outpost and built mm-hmm. a citadel called Dragonstone. So they settled Dragonstone and kind of took it over as their family seat 
12 years later, the doom of Valerian uh, happened. How was the – do you know how the outpost was just kind of available for them to settle in? It says in, it? it says in the – it says – let me see the exact quote. Um, it says, Some, two centuries before the doom, the Valerian Freehold colonized the island of Dragonstone in a narrow sea and established a citadel there with ineffective resistance from the local lords of the Blackwater Bay. <laughs> okay. So apparently, so they got kicked out pretty uh, quick. Yeah. Apparently, they just they yeah they couldn't withstand the might of the the Valerian Freehold, and they gotcha. wanted and apparently they still didn't want to go on Westeros because of this weird superstitious fear they had of it. But hmm. they wanted an outpost to kind of like keep an eye on things. Yeah. And that's what the the Targaryens then used to, to settle. So the doom of uh the 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 doom of Valeria then hit, and. It's very mysterious because a lot of the world's history and a lot of the world's art and science and especially magic was lost in this. Um, right. The Maesters have one way of looking at it. Um, the the Septons have other theories. The Septons like said, well, all these ungodly heathens were delving too <laughs> deep and they actually hit all seven hells. Of course they did. And, yeah. you know, that, that explains the doom. But something triggered essentially all of these, dra- these, these uh, volcanoes in this volcano chain to erupt. Probably, I mean, from from reading the sources, it sounds like another like Martin takes the the dwarves delve too greedily and too deep, and you got Balrogs. Mm-hmm. Do you want Balrogs? Well, then don't delve too deep and too greedily. And they did, <laughs> and it, it caused all of these things to explode all in one time. This this volcanic fire so hot it was able to kill dragons, mm. who themselves are very resistant to fire. Um, it says every hill for five hundred miles exploded. Filling the air with ash and smoke and fire. Earthquakes destroyed palaces, temples, and towns, while lakes boiled or were turned to acid by the fallout. Uh, the 14 flames, the fiery mountains surrounding Old Valeria, sent molten rock a thousand feet into the air, and red clouds rained down dragon class over the lands. It was such a strong because it used to be the it used to be called the Valerian Peninsula, and if you look on a map of Essos now, you'll see a vaguely Indian shaped subcontinent that looks like it's just been shattered into a bunch of islands, mm-hmm. um, and all the sea between those fragmentary islands is called the Smoking Sea, uh, and then it also caused, as you'd imagine, a giant tsunami that destroyed a lot of coastal cities and outposts of the Valerians. So. Um, Again, there's a lot of explanations about why they think this happens. Um, the priest of Relore thought it was a, a, a fire that was sent by Relore to punish them for slavery. Um, people thought that there was infighting and in dragon lords, and this was some kind of plot to sabotage the ruling family that went disastrous, disastrously wrong. But no one really knows because all this stuff was essentially lost. Um, after... After Valeria fell, it led to what's called the Century of Blood, where everybody in Essos tried to carve off a piece of this empire because the it's it's like Rome didn't get sacked by barbarians; it essentially got destroyed in a single day. The Dothraki, who had, were previously a minor, you know, nomadic steppe people, started you know becoming a regional power. Uh, the Valantines uh, tried to consider themselves the heir of Valeria and hold on to it. The slave cities. Um, tried to resurrect the empire of old Gis. Um, and the important thing is there's also some surviving dragon lords. It wasn't just the Targaryens that were away. There were some that were in lists. There were some that were like in uh, hiding out in the, 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 the lands of Ashai. And several led campaigns with strong dragons and armies back to old Valeria, and they never returned. Also, um, there's a notable uh, expedition from Westeros, too. Um, um, first, uh, King Tommen... 
Lannister, who was one of the last kings of the Rock before Aegon conquered it. Uh, he had in mind that, like, there's all this treasure from old Valeria in the lands if anyone's just brave enough to go look. So he sailed with an armada and his the um, the uh, Lannister blade Brightroar and went over there and disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And then Gary and Lannister, because, like, they, they it took the Lannisters centuries to get someone to sell them a Valerian steel blade so they could have one for their own. Hmm. And then they fucking lost it less than a century after they got it. So Jerry and Lannister then uh, disappeared um, in fairly recent times. This was only, like, I think 20 years before the, uh, the time of uh, Game of Thrones. He went over to try to find Bright War to bring it back to the family, and he was he was lost, too. And this arose this legend that anyone – no one can return from Old Valeria. If you get too close to the Smoking Sea, mm-hmm. something happened, something supernatural, and uh, you, you, you're, you get brought to ruin. That's why – Euron is very impressive because he's one of the few people that says that I've sailed there and seen the wonders of old Valeria and have lived the tale to tale. Right. Um, no one knows if that's actually true. But no one knows if that's actually it. true. But there's some interesting details here. Number one, I thought is is ironic that um, you know Daenerys's ancestors were the biggest slavers. Essentially, they yeah. they overthrew the old slave empire and built one far more <laughs> massive and f- frightening than old gifts would ever have uh, contemplated. Yeah, that surprised me too. Um, I also thought it was interesting that um, the dragons can be killed by sufficiently hot fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I knew that dragons could kill each other with their dragon fire, but like just like just mm-hmm. normal old run of the mill volcanoes. Um, I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that the Valerians, the Valerians. At some point, had semi-settled Westeros in in prehistory, and then they abandoned the continent in a, yeah. almost a superstitious fear. And then, when later Targaryens came to settle Westeros, it's a historical fact that their dragons, Aegon, started with Balerion the Dread, who could swallow an Aurochs whole, and they ended with these stunted dragons that were the size of house cats, and they're badly deformed, and they wouldn't eat. And you wonder. If there is something to Westeros that's just bad for dragons, right? Uh, whether it's competing magic from the the White Walkers that like sap their strength, but like they just don't do well over here, or even um, maybe the children's magic, the children of the forest. Yeah, and you even think like so this so Aegon came over three hundred years, uh, and they even it's such a formative that that's how they mark time in Westeros. You have BC before the conquering and AC after Aegon's conquering. Three hundred like like he conquered all. Of Westeros with his dragons, his three dragons, mm-hmm. and then three hundred years later, uh, his how his his line is completely extinguished. <laughs> um, so there is something to be. I don't I don't know if it's actually because you know there's lots of theories. Some say that the Maesters uh, did not like the the dragons' connection to magic and the fact that they're like essentially super weapons and they worked in like insidiously to destroy the dragons. Yeah. And like stunt them and poison them or something. But it could also be just something about the land themselves or the magic underlying it. I thought that was uh pretty interesting. Do you have any questions or uh I mean that's fairly comprehensive. Um I, I mean my my questions are just you know, general like stuff about like the the Maesters. Is there is there any information like that leads people to believe that they might have been you know, working to to poison these dragons to to reduce the dragon threat, 
Or is it more just people kind of speculating? It's it's more speculation. That's one of the frustrating things about quote unquote Game of Thrones scholarship is because like if I was investigating a real historical thing, you could go and compare different sources. But right. this is all like in universe stuff. So there is one. Source, there's a yeah. suggestion that like the Maesters were maybe behind behind the scenes suggesting that the the Targaryens build the the famous dragon pits of uh, King's Landing. Um, and that, you know, forcing them to dwell in the subterranean kind of like pit, um, you hasten their demise. Um, Hmm. but yeah. And it's also like the, the maesters have always struggled with like the pyromancers and other magic practitioners. And there's a clear relationship between dragons going away from the world and the wane of magic and dragons coming back into the world awakening like you know like uh, we've heard firsthand accounts from Melisandre where she said when you know Danny's dragons were born like their their power increased the pyromancers that work for Tyrion to make the wildfire said that like their wildfire recipes are working like gangbusters again the warlocks uh, mm-hmm. and Karth said that their visions and their powers have become stronger since the mother of dragons has entered the scene so there is some kind of weird relationship between magic and dragons and and them being in the world and not but no there's no yeah, like kinda... smoking gun here that says maester <laughs> bedchamber mixed up a brew of dragon draught and forced it down the mouth of balerion and he his toenails turned black and he died six weeks later there's nothing like that right no i'm, I'm just trying to piece together their stated mission or or at least the one you know maester's stated mission to sam uh in the show where he's talking about you know them essentially not sort of being neutral observers um, in the world here. That would seem to be an active role, poisoning dragons. It does. Well, well I will, because that's the thing is like when they said that on the show, I mean, yes, that's a stated mission, but also maesters are extremely powerful. They're the power behind right. literally every throne in the kingdom and have been for, for time out of hand. So they probably are jealous of anyone that could usurp that power and authority mm-hmm. and people that can control dragons and have magical powers. That's like, you know, they're, they're kryptonite. So it makes, yes, it is against their state of mission to be that directive, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. Hmm. Okay. And, and now, you know, pretty basically all of the Valerians are dead. We yeah. assume, or yeah. do we know, anything about what could be going on we know that they're so we've seen jorah and Tyrion go up there to old valeria right? right i mean that's like so like you know old valerian is controlled like by you know the stone men and right you know, it's, it's haunted by demons people have said but yeah there's is surprisingly little first-hand accounts because the thing where where Tyrion and jorah sail through the the shattered islands and the smoking sea that doesn't happen in the books uh, oh okay Tyrion takes a um a trading vessel over and they get close enough that he can see like a dull orange glow as if maybe the continent is still actively on fire or actively erupting, wow. but they steer well around it. Like a smoldering. The only one that's been there and back is, is, uh, is, uh, uh Euron and he's got this fucking dra- magic dragon horn. And there's also and some the material Valerian about the armor, right? The, the Valerian. Yeah. The, in, in, in the, um, re- pre-release chapters of winds of winter, he's got a full set of Valerian armor. He's strutting around it. That's, that's a fairly good sign that he has been there. But the, uh, the world, the world of ice and fire says that the Valerians control dragons with a co- combination of magic whips and magical horns. Hmm. None of which have been in evidence in the series so far. Yeah. 
Danny certainly hasn't used any to control her dragons. No, and that's the thing. Like, cause um, in like when Danny boards Drogon in the fighting pit, she first cows him into submission with a whip. Huh. And that does not happen on no. the show. She just <laughs> jump, climbs on his rubbery back and <laughs> right. sails into the into the skies. Uh huh. Hmm. So so we don't have a lot of good insight into what caused the the doom of Valeria, right? No, nope, we, there's, we there's, don't know if it was disease or a supernatural. It was certainly magical like event. Something physically happened because there used to be a peninsula, and now there's a bunch of shattered islands. So it's not. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't think it would be disease. Oh, oh. So the Doom of Valeria is the exploding yes, volcanoes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Gotcha. And apparently, like, there's material that says that George Martin, he's like combined the the legends of Atlantis with the actual sudden fall of the Roman Empire to kind right. of like. You know, Atlantis is the magical, mystical thing where it just happens suddenly, and then the power vacuum that the Romans left, and the kind of barbarians coming, and the Mongols and the Huns, and hmm. the Germanic people, like that, the the rise of them that he modeled the like post post Valerian Essos on 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 those historical facts. Yeah, I'm curious to see what role it plays in the end game here. Right. If, if Valerian, I, I mean, Valerian steel is obviously important to the end game. Right. John's using it, but. Like is is the stuff that's historically happened here? Um, you know, the the Stone Man, the Doom of Valeria. Like, is that stuff going to come into play? I mean, that's one of the things that people think that like why Jorah got you know grayscale is that if you get it once, you're presumably immune, and now mm-hmm. he's like uniquely qualified to sail over there and explore for artifacts. But with right. only seven combined episodes left in all of the shows, like, is there enough time to tell that story? Yeah, not sure. Time will tell. All right, do we want to talk about the religions of of this world? I could think of nothing more interesting than two atheists talking about a fictional series of religions. I actually found quite a bit of this pretty interesting, particularly like the many-faced god. Oh, religious studies is fascinating for sure. It is, yeah. And I, I didn't Plus, know I, I just much want to about hear them. I just want to hear what Maester Jim has to say. Maester Jim went on Wikipedia and he searched a bunch of both fictional and real life religions mm-hmm. and he tried to make comparisons but mostly i i wanted to run down the the, the kind of major religions that are important to the story as i see them okay um and kind of their features and why they're important um just explain them in more depth because it's something that i've always been getting glimpses into throughout the show but i've never really got a firm grasp on any one religion right in the show um and they're certainly important so uh, let's start off talking about the gods um, of the forest, the old gods, mm-hmm. as they're known. Uh, they're basically gone in Westeros except for the north. Like, nobody follows the old gods except the free folk do. Um, and some some of the – it's actually a pretty dominant religion in the northern section of Westeros, south of the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, the the north as it's yeah. labeled it's very fucking confusing uh-huh. when there's north and beyond the wall um it's like south dakota north dakota we got south <laughs> north and north to north <laughs> yeah they're both north come on um but this is kind of a nature-based religion so if you think like everything has a spirit um a rock has a spirit a tree has a spirit thunder has a spirit shadows have spirits it's it extends to basically everything in nature um and they they are the ones who carve the children of the forest and the followers of the old gods are the ones who carve the weirwood trees, the faces on them mm-hmm. that you see throughout the show. Um, which I'm kind of 
does that not hurt the spirit of the tree? Is the tree okay with that? Or the spirit's always it's been my, in there. It's kind of like what uh, Michelangelo said about marble. Like the statue's always there. I'm just re- I'm just freeing it from its encasement. Like maybe that's how. Right. They're setting the face of the tree free. Plus they always weep the red sap. Like it's like yeah, pretty it's, macabre stuff. It's a very evocative image. Yeah. The the weirwoods always have the red sap, which makes them look pretty fucked up when you carve them. Um. So so they are less organized or less structured, I guess, than a lot of the other religions in Westeros. Um, They do have sort of areas of, I wouldn't call it worship, but sort of like quiet meditation. Very, very much like, um, you know, Buddhist monks will have temples, but I don't know that they would really refer to them necessarily as that. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of the monks just live in monasteries. They're just kind of normal buildings where they practice their faith. Right. Um, and these these areas for the the children of the forest or the followers of the old gods are called God's woods, mm-hmm. um, which I found out an interesting thing. So so the God's woods always have at the center of them the weirwood tree, right? Um, except for one, which is too new to actually have it. Um, and also the God's woods have to be within castle walls, mm-hmm. which I I guess the old. The old gods, the children of the forest, must have had castles. I know at least one, like the one that the Night's Watch uses for old the the followers of the old gods. Their gods woods just out in the haunted forest. Hmm. Okay, but maybe yeah, it the says wall they're typically within a... castle walls. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, and they're basically set up for as temples. And then there's the heart tree, which is the usually a weirwood tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, King's Landing, the Red Keep doesn't have. A weirwood tree, and it's God's, God's wood. wood, but they don't like all yeah. all all God uh, all God's all God's wood south of the neck, which is the middle part of Westeros, have essentially been cut down by the Andals, right? And also, I guess the castle is too new. Uh, so, right, like right. when they made their God's wood, they didn't have right. a weirwood tree there right. to. Yeah, the Red it. Keep was built by Aegon and his people. It wasn't like King's Landing was called King's Landing because that's where Aegon squatted with his dragon, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and and they do have sort of priests but they're really more just like respected individuals for their abilities which are called green seers mm-hmm. um they're kind of the they have prophetic visions they have the ability to a limited degree to control nature um there's no real hierarchies or texts or rituals that they have um although there is one um and that's during a wedding a bride is typically brought before a weirwood tree to ask the old god's blessing on her wedding her marriage um, sounds like a ritual to me, but mm-hmm. you know what, what do I know about the religion? <laughs> uh, but it, honestly, it's a religion I can get behind. Really, you just sit around and think, and you don't have any texts you got to read or rituals you got to perform. I'm in. Just commune with nature. You get visions. That's that's pretty sweet. Did you did they did they have did you delve into anything about like the more bloodier um, origins of the the children of the forest religion? Not really, no. Okay. Did you know something about the? I just know that, like, well, I mean, I don't know, but there was a lot of like when Bran was getting some of his green seeing training in the books, he would see like back in olden times, uh, like a, a woods witch slashing a throat of a man that that the blood would seep into the weirwood or. They offered human oh, sacrifice wow. to him and like dangled their entrails from the trees and whatnot. <laughs> That's like like it's that wasn't like in the my first men might have uh, moderated the religion somewhat. Uh huh. I I don't know. Um, it is, however, a form of animism. I guess is what it's called in, right. in the real world, which yeah. it basically says everything has a spirit: wind, thunder, uh, shadows, rocks, streams. Mm. Um, but they don't really have any identifiable deities per se. 
Um, I, I'm I'm super curious, like, if you asked an animist what happens to the spirit of a shadow when I turn out a light, for instance, or I mm-hmm. walk into a totally dark cavern. Right. Like, does it become everything? Is it is it dispelled? Like, I don't know. Logical questions for an illogical belief, I suppose. <laughs> Um, and maybe that could be the key to defeating the White Walkers, right? You get them cold enough. Like, like if everything is cold, mm. then they cease to exist, essentially, like a shadow. <laughs> oh, I if see. everything's I dark. See. If everything is as, as, as cold as they are, then <laughs> right. where Remove they Remove all the fire begin? from the world and the ice dies or something. <laughs> I think we're comfortable to turn up the temperature so they all they all die that way. But, you know, yeah. freezing, the, freezing them all to death would be interesting, too. Uh, one of the interesting things that I don't think is in the show very much but i know is in the books from what i've heard um the followers believes believe that when they pray to their gods the gods answer them with wind or in the wind like ah. they have messages and stuff right um and that's that's kind of you know their response and i know in the books bran hears a lot of there, there's a lot of stuff around wind in in the like gods whenever bran and, tries to communicate with his father in the past or like he sees the wedding of his sister and theon's there and he tries to communicate and they when we see it from their POV, it's like a trick of the... They think... They hear it as like a trick of the wind. Right. And that's, I guess, you know, by the follower of, of the old gods, that would be the gods answering their prayer or their... Whatever they're requesting, I suppose. It also reminds me of some of some of the sayings that Ned's famous for is one of them is words are wind, uh, which yeah. is his way of saying... What people say <laughs> is bullshit, uh-huh. but it also, like, you could see where it might have a deeper meaning from the religion that he practices and he, he isn't even aware of it. Yeah, could be. Um, so why, why are the gods, um, these old gods important to the story? Well, we've seen real manifest powers from them in the form of green seeing. Uh, Bran is obviously a, dev- a devotee of them. Um, and the magic of the old gods created the white walkers, which might inform what the Night's King, Night's King, Night King wants. Mm-hmm. Um, was he an adherent? of this religion was he you know i I, i'm not sure that we know enough to say whether or not he was forcibly turned or volunteered for the position or he looked pretty tied down and scared but even if he did but even if you volunteered to be like i think in the moment where you're going to have a piece of obsidian shoved in your heart you'd still right right i I might want to be tied down for that (laughs) yeah even if i volunteered Uh, i feel some pressure so clearly i mean this is a big part of the show and it's going to be important we don't know exactly how but the old gods are involved, and they have real powers, and we see them on the screen. So um, that's important. Also, um, another religion in mostly actually in the free cities is the Lord of Light or Valor, who um, you know Melisandre is a follower, uh, Thoros of Mir is a follower, Beric Dondarrion is a follower. Um, they've all got you know actual real powers, which we'll talk about in a second as well. Um, like I said, it's the dominant religion in the free cities or a lot of them, not all of them, but it's almost completely absent from Westeros. Like you say, Hey, I follow Relore and they look at you like, what the fuck? Right. You weirdo. You're a Mooney. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the idea behind the Relore, um, figure, I guess, is there, there are two opposing deities. Relore, who's the God of essentially light, um, the Lord of light, he's fire, he's heat, he's life. Um, and then you've got this seldom talked about, I think, uh, deity called the Great Other, which is the exact opposite mm-hmm. of Relore. I didn't know any of this going into the research. Um, it's darkness, it's cold, it's death, the Great Other, uh, which 
I mean, that lines up perfectly, you know, with the the song of fire and ice. Right. Uh, we we see a lot of symmetries and a lot of um, opposing deities and opposing concepts in this world. As Zena mentioned, that like I don't want to sure if this is an official like understanding it came from universe or this is people speculating, but like. The powers of the old gods and the others, they are the power, like, you know, they're, they're ice and they're powers of preservation, mm-hmm. um, like preserving memories, preserving institutional ideas, and, and the powers of the Lord of Light are consuming. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. That, um, that yin, yeah, they burn, they're, they're powers of fire that consume, and the other is a power of, of ice that protects and preserves. Yeah, and I definitely think they would interpret the Night King as, like, the great other, essentially, right. like the this darkness and he cold. He wants to put and... the entire world into a Ziploc bag and seal in the freshness. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like, there, there's an interesting concept that the the Relorians, the Lord of Light followers, uh-huh. have about the world, which is it's essentially hell. Uh-huh. And it was created by the great other to enslave and trap the, right. the people on on the planet in a hell. And that essentially by burning people, they are releasing them from the hell, right. which you kind of start to understand like why they would, you know, be burning Shireen for instance. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a lot of other people are making these sacrifices because they don't view it as a bad thing. Right. Right. They review it. They view it as like a release of their souls from this hell that's created by the evil deity. Right. Um, which, you know, to us is a pretty twisted way to look at things, but you know, to them it makes perfect sense. And that's what I'm trying to really get at is look through the story. Um, look at the story through the, lens of a religion that's why because it informs everybody's action i think a lot of people are waiting for that perspective to be shown from the others like i mean in the books they're called the others yeah and you got this evil deity called the great other right so like there's some connection there but that piece of the puzzle like what is their motivation why because it could be that like literally that the night king is trying to preserve the world from humanity who just wrecks it yeah, you know, like it could be like uh, essentially Agent Smith, you're the virus and we're the cure kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, from their point of view. Because I doubt the Night King just gets up every morning, puts on his evil underwear, and says, "I can't wait to be evil today." Yeah, can't wait to extinguish all <laughs> life just because I'm pissed. Um, their their followers are, let's say, militant in their belief that other gods are are essentially demons or false idols that need to be eradicated. Um, they're 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 a lot more militant than a lot of the other religions, I would say. Right. Um, or followers of other religions. Like you can go you can go look at examples where, for instance, like the Faith of the Seven. Obviously they have a militant side to them when when we talk about the High Septon, stuff like that. But I, I think the followers of the Lord of Light are much more staunch in their their ideas that these gods it, it's not about just like anyone who doesn't follow the you know the ways of our gods needs to be turned or eliminated mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. more about like these other gods need to be eliminated right we need to remake <laughs> the world in this way yeah and it could be because like you know uh when the first men came to westeros they went to war against the children of forest tried to eliminate their religion and their culture and uh-huh. were stopped and they had a peace agreement and they adopted it then yep. the andals came with the faith of the seven they burnt all the wood weirwoods down and they kind of like, did the job. And then they, <laughs> the they, they kind of they kind of mellowed out, and then now you've got like you know Ned is like hey, I'll build you accept Kate or Cat because you're you're from the Faith of Seven, and like they kind of got right. along, and now the the Lord of the Light comes, and he's the new hotness, and you know that's like seems like the newer the religion, the 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 uh, more extreme 
Like time has a way of wearing <laughs> off the rough edges of a religion. And I think it's like the clashing of the religions too, right? Yes. It's very easy when you're like a the dominant, right, right. yeah, mass of people with the same beliefs and everything. Mm-hmm. But once you start getting challenged in those yep. beliefs, um, becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the Lord of Light followers do have holy texts. Uh, I forget the name of it. Um, but yeah, I don't. Shit, I should have wrote, wrote this down. The, but the, the Faith of Seven's got the seven pointed star that's always quoted from. But right, I'm not and, sure what their Lord and of the Faith of the Seven. They're like the new breed of religion, which has all of these rituals and texts uh-huh. and stuff. Where, you know, the Lord of Light has maybe a couple. Right. <laughs> like, right. they're they're not quite as strict about their stuff, but they do have, um, I, I guess, rituals and stuff. Like, there's there's some kind of idea about like sacred sex, which mm. is not exclusive to the Lord of Light, but we see it on the screen, right? Like Melisandre practices that frequently. Yeah, she's always ready to bone down before she's about to do some nasty magic shit. And they do have, like, they have phrases they say, like, when Beric is saying, wor- like, or I'm sorry, when Thoros is saying words over the dead, yeah. you know, uh, they've got it, they got a set, like, funeral custom and a set, like, execution mm-hmm. custom, and they probably have some, I don't know, sex talk. And they have actual, like... The sex ritual is just hard, you used to say harder and faster over and over <laughs> <laughs> until it's over. Uh... It's a really simple, really simple uh, ritual. Uh, so unlike the, the old god... Uh, followers they do have a clergy so they have red priest and priestesses um that's what melisandre falls into that's what um what's their name Kinvara or something over yeah. in uh essos and thoros saw her. right thoros would be one um the, it, martin actually says that the religion is strongly influenced by zoroastrianism but i don't know anything about that i didn't uh, have time to fully research it really yeah because like i've always thought that the first men, like the children of the forest, represented like a, a Celtic or Celtic type of religion, and that the faith of the seven represented kind of Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And that I the, agree with you on that last part. Yeah, and that the Lord, the Lord of the Light, represents like uh, I, I guess I guess would would be like uh, is Islamic because it's like the it's the new religion. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a spin on it, and it's it's the the more rough rough around the edges one. Okay, um, Zoroastrianism. <laughs> like I yeah I don't I don't know anything about that. Yeah, neither do I. Unfortunately, um, so so why is R'hllor or the Lord of Light important to the story? Well, obviously there are some real things happening here. You know, shadow babies. Um, there's John and Beric being raised from the dead. Uh, there's these prophecies that are coming into play that which may or may not come true. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Glamour is one of them, which I th- I think is an ability of the Lord of Light followers. I don't know if that's just like some special tool she uses. It blurred because like Melisandre herself says that she used a lot of stagecraft and trickery right. until like the dragons came and revved up her magic that she, you know, and she's got, when we see POV chapters of her, she's got like dyes and smokes and pyrotechnics that, you know, right. she keeps different things up her sleeves that she can put stuff in the fire and turn it green. And so some of that may not be some Lord of it's of bold, light. But, but obviously when she pulls out a monster out of her vagina that goes yeah. kill someone, that's not a trick. No, it's not. When, and she, when brings she raises John, John back, from the yeah. dead, that's, that's not, that's a cool trick, but it's a real one. It definitely is. Um, and there's also, you know, I talked about the prophecies. Um, the prince or princess that was promised, uh, her fo- the followers of the Lord of Light believe that 
he or she is the savior who will be compa- combating an impending darkness, mm-hmm. which I read as the great other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I and as much as I think that they believe the Night King is the great other, that's probably what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other impending darkness coming. Right, but it means that it's like, six yeah, episodes it's It's called the Long Night, so right, that's pretty one to one there. The symbolism. Yeah, so they're obviously going to be important going forward. Um, to what degree, I don't know. So here's the most interesting one to me because of, I guess, the the nature of this religion. It's the many-faced god, or death, mm-hmm. as um, Jackin calls it. Uh, so this is a deity that's worshipped exclusively by the faceless men, as far as I can tell. Um, there might be some other randos out there, but it's kind of contained to the, the House of Black and White, pretty much. Um this is what is called a syncretic religion, hmm. which it it sort of blends the beliefs of other religions into a new religion. So, like, the reason this is called the many-faced god is because they believe that death, their god, is represented in these other religions and is shown to people in different ways. Um, so each of these religions out there has sort of a either a god that has like a domain over death or a god that represents death like the like fate, explicitly fate seven have the stranger the stranger right um which that's where your your left hand goes to sleep and yeah is that what you found your it research? symbolically dies uh-huh. then, yeah <laughs> uh no no but you're absolutely right it's a stranger and so if you notice in the hall of black and white or the house of black and white they have interestingly idols that re- idols from other religions that represent death which they kind of congregate and they don't have like an icon that represents their God. It's just the gods of the other religions right. and the icons of the other religions. The mini faith. So God. it's like the syncretic religions are super interesting because they almost like it, the many faced God's name is taken from other religions, right? It doesn't right. exist without other religions. And the religion in fact, doesn't exist without these other religions. Would you say Christianity is a syncretic religion because they take the God of the Jewish Old Testament and then they give it a sequel and then they retcon Jesus as his son and the Holy Spirit as this trinity and um, they blend I mean that those trinitarian concepts come from a lot of other like you know major Mesopotamian religions or am I not getting really, aff- am I just I, being offensive here No no <laughs> certainly not to me I don't give a shit uh maybe to to other followers but I I don't think so. I think the syncretic part comes from like this idea that that their concept of God, that death, would be represented in these other religions, and and the kind of that everybody has the same idea that they have, mm-hmm. except they see it in a different way. Okay. And I don't think I don't think Catholicism or Christianity really sees like every religion as having an aspect of their own. No, that's that, more of like a universalist, unitarian kind of thing. Yeah, could be. I, I don't know if, enough about Unitarians. Um, but but it's super interesting to me that you can have a religion that relies on other religions for its very existence, right? right like, right. that... I, I wonder, I wonder if they would say... It can't exist in isolation. I wonder if they would say say that, because they would probably say, well, there's, there's always death, mm-hmm. and, you know, we know we're right because every other religion agrees on that tenet. Uh-huh. So, like, I wonder if they'd see themselves as, like, built on the backs of other religion, or they're like, we're, well, of course you guys have a god of death because he's real. That That's the proof of it. Sure. I you think know. that's a pretty convenient uh, path to go down. But, yeah, they, they only believe in that one god, death, and, and they call it the many-faced god. Um, 
they also view death as a gift from God, like the actual experience of death, not the God, um, as a gift from the God, death. So they roll kind of like the, 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 the planetos is hell and that and it's kind of yeah okay so they have similar to the lord of the light right there very similar um yeah and it it relieves the suffering of the people who are living at any given moment and apparently they also view deaths as sort of belonging to the many-faced god which you know you this is very confusing if you're not well versed in the religion and you listen to the stuff jackin says because Mm -hmm. jackin is talking about this idea that that death belongs to the many-faced god and he he or she or whatever it is chooses when someone dies. And right. by killing someone, you have taken, you have stolen a death from the God of death. Huh. And then you have to pay for it with a life, which is essentially a death offering. So only natural deaths are authentic deaths? It seems like it. Or, well, we're getting to the part that I feel is weird and sort of contradictory uh-huh. um, in this belief system. Because um, they don't believe that they have the right to to steal the God of death's deaths from him Mm -hmm. um and so they only kill people that they have accepted assassination contracts for Mm -hmm. and they view that sort of as like god has decided because um, they're his followers right and and they're not making the decision they're letting the decisions come to them Mm. but that I, i think that's contradicted by the fact that a lot of times they will refuse contracts or if they don't outright refuse they will make the price so high um, so dear that the person won't want to pay it, mm-hmm. and therefore, thereby, I think selecting who dies and who lives. Mm. So I, I don't know. I would ha- I would love to sit down with a beer and one of the followers <laughs> of the Many Faced God and right. say, how do you how do you explain these scenarios? Um, but yeah, it's interesting. They they just view themselves as like a an instrument to do death's bidding one of the other things they do is that as a public services they maintain this poison fountain that anyone can right. like if you're just tired of living you can come and have a painless death yeah then they will then take care of your body and all that and so yeah they almost view their own life as the sacrifice they're making to further the to god serve, of death serve the ends. god of yeah. death right right um i th- they don't really have clergy they do have the class of faceless men mm-hmm. who are kind of the people who run the show there and they have the acolytes and the people who are trying to get into obviously aria was part of that um but there, there isn't like a big hierarchical structure there right. or anything uh so why is the mini face god important i think obviously the mini face god also has real manifest powers aria can you know change faces jack can, can change faces um and it's important because Arya is a big player in the story, and she is. It, I wouldn't actually say she's a devotee of the religion, but mm-hmm. I would say she is using the powers of the God of Death to further her ends. Hmm. Um, so, in as much as she's going to be a big part of the story, the God of Death will. Right, and there's an open question about whether the faceless men would support what Arya is doing, or they they've been intentionally. Yeah. Like, there's theories that say that they they. You know, there, there's some crazy theories that say, like, uh, for some reason, the Faceless Men targeted Arya Stark since the time she came to King's Landing as a recruit. <laughs> and that, like, uh-huh. Cyril Pharrell is actually Jackin, and, like, these right. all these, 
like like all these things that she was she was brought in and trained have been furthering that purpose and inevitably led her to the uh the house of black and white and now that she's like and there's then this theory split about whether the faceless men are going to be furious with her for turning their back on her training and and selfishly pursuing her own ends or Mm -hmm. whether this is actually their plan all along to you know whatever because they're fairly inscrutable and what like what do they want as a worldwide goal? Would do they want like uh, an apocalypse to happen? Like, would they support the the right. Night King taking over and killing everyone on on planet Planetos? You could see that. You could see both. I, I don't know. I, it's interesting when you talk about that idea in the context of the Lord of Light, because because right. they're antithesis. They are. Yeah. I mean, you're you're combating the Great Other, but wouldn't you also well? No, okay, so it's different because the Great Other takes, you could say, takes the spirits of these people and traps them in these undead bodies, right? right? And it's not like it's not something that you ascend for. It's a, you're forever trapped on the plane of existence, right? You're you don't, you don't escape hell. that hell because right. you're still there. Because if you burn to death, then your yeah. spirit floats up into the heaven. So I don't know how the many faced God followers, the faceless men, would feel about that. Just one thing, like I've, I mean, I've heard like a curse thrown around as seven hells, and then of course yeah. you know in the Doom of Valeria, the Septons are like. They got a little too close to all seven hells, and they blew it once. Um, is there any talk about the afterlife, like, um, of any of these religions? Like, what they see is, like, the good version of what they're trying to go? Because, like, I, I don't even think they've even talked about, like, what does seven heavens look like? Or do you, like, is the, are you taken into the mother's mercy? Or does the maiden give you eternal blowjobs? Like, what's... what's <laughs> right. The Smith's callous hands works. You, I mean, what, 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 what is their idea of, and how does the stranger fit in with that? So, so I did a lot less research on the faith of the seven because ah. it's a little more straightforward as far as like it, Americans would understand religion. Plus, all evidence points out to the faith of the seven being the fakiest of all the religions. Right. It, like, it there feels is like more zero like the status quo. power. Yep. Beyond the power that people give into it by their own just buying into the system. There is no one that has yeah. prayed to the seven and then miraculously been saved or mm-hmm. or manifest any kind of arcane power. It no, looks it feels like a dead, inert religion. Much more like an artificial construct mm-hmm. of people that, that doesn't have any real power to it. Right. Um yeah, so I didn't do a ton of research on that. The, the Andals were the last in line when the <laughs> gods were handing out religions. Yep. There's nothing in the bag left for them. No, even though they, they thought they got a good deal because they gave right. them seven gods. Seven like, gods yeah. for the pro. Woo! Look at this, guys. Jackpot! <laughs> uh, no, uh, they actually didn't get seven gods. They got seven facets of a single god, which mm. we'll talk about in a second. Um, it's interesting to me that each of these religions that we've talked about, aside from the faith of the seven, kind of lines up roughly with one of the Stark children. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, you've obviously got Bran as the Green Seer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily, like, bought into all of the religious aspects of the the children of the forest and the old gods, but he's certainly using the abilities that stem from right. those practices. Um, John, I would say, could possibly line up with R'hllor, the Lord of Light, right? He's been, he's certainly been influenced by the power of the Lord of Light. He's been raised from the dead. Sure. Um, and Arya, obviously, with the Faceless Men, has been there all along. So I- I'm curious where Sansa lines up in this picture. I think she's, like, the most... Because the Faith of the Seven is also 
tied to chivalry and knighthood. Like that's mm-hmm. that's where you get the the institution the, those institutions that come from. And she's like very infatuated with that concept. So like I feel like she's she's tied to the faith of the seven much more so than any of the other. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, but it, I just don't see it like manifest as strongly in her story and mm. her life as right. it is with these other Stark children. Um, so yeah, maybe we should talk quickly about the faith of the seven. It's the dominant religion in South of the neck in the seven kingdoms. Uh, it's brought over from the East by the Andals. Like you said, uh, there's one God, but it has seven faces, which they ascribe a list of names to. Um, and they all are different, you know, aspects of reality or life. You know, there's the stranger and the mother and like all these different things that represent qualities of people essentially mm-hmm. smith warrior maiden yeah mother father stranger i think that's that's all seven. Oh, smith you I say that. smith okay. yeah um it it seems like so the reason i didn't do a lot of research on this is because it seems like they're basically out of the picture uh-huh. and like you said it's a roughly it's a fairly toothless toothless religion as far as it comes to power mm-hmm. um not not influence mm-hmm. and and like power in the sense that we think of it but like but, actual magical powers right but it does it seems like it inspire it, it seeks to inspire a change within a people like adopt this code of chivalry so that the strong protect the the, the weak and in in name like i, I feel like it doesn't yeah. do a lot of that right in practice because the turn out that most of the knights are like the biggest shits and right uh, until the high septon comes along like i right. feel like there was a renaissance when the high septon uh, decided he was going to start doing the Lord's work, mm, literally. The militant back going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and but it's again, all that all that was working through people. It wasn't right. like working through fire magic or no. ice magic. <laughs> yeah, um, and it, it most closely, if you couldn't tell from the show, uh, resembles Catholicism. It's uh-huh. it's very hierarchical. It has a lot of structure to it. Um, it has many customs, many rituals, religious texts. Uh, it's very religiony, yeah, <laughs> is yeah. how I would put it. Um, and and why I think it actually is important to the story, to some degree, is, um, it, it could it, so it's obviously the religion of the people, um, in Westeros, and I think to the degree that Cersei is violating all of the wishes and customs and practices of the people, it could be important, mm-hmm. because I mean she obviously blew up the the High Sept of Baylor, right, mm-hmm. like. She destroyed one of the most holy places for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, will they are are they cool with that? Like, is Cersei? It, let's say John comes to visit and she violates a guest right, which is a uh, it's a concept that all the religions have essentially, mm-hmm. but it's it's an important one mm-hmm. to the faith of the seven. Could Cersei violate the guest right and still have the people on her side? Um, will people? tolerate the open knowledge of her and Jamie's relationship. Like how many right. principles of this religion and the, the faith of the people can she violate before they turn on her? It I is think kind it of might amazing. be important. I mean, it's kind of been a low key disappointment for me that like she did blow up the faith, the sept and there hasn't been right. Like we haven't seen the people other than them being jubilant to, you know, greet Euron and his, his, his captives. And that yeah. might be proven Euron's point. Like that they'll cheer. Like the people don't really care at the end of the day. Yeah. But I do feel like that they've made a lot about the you know that the people have the ultimate power, and to the extent that you don't take their beliefs seriously, and more importantly, meet their needs, then things are going to go badly for you. But none of that's happened and, to Cersei so far. No, and I think Cersei's sort of been whistling past the grave when she she talks about like 
Tyrion or Tyrion Tywin's philosophy, right? Like uh, of the people's will not really mattering. Like, right. Um, I think that might be a problem for her, and and in so much as you know, the the custom she's violating and the problem she's causing are because of the faith of the seven. It's sure. important. Sure. Um, but that's that's roughly a breakdown of the the big religions in Westeros. There are a lot more, um, but there are so many what? I couldn't talk. No about drowned god. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's that important. Like, is Euron actually going to be a big enough figure in this story to make his religion important? Mm. I don't think so. Is is the, Theon going to be important enough to make his the his Doth, religion the Dothraki's horse based religion? Uh, maybe, maybe. But I feel like it's more important. So that's that's the one glaring thing that I wish I had had more time to research is the Dothraki customs and beliefs because I think Danny the four chambers of a horse heart represents the four <laughs> sides of the human spirit, and you uh-huh. have to eat them all without throwing <laughs> up, or your stallion won't mount the world. That's I, that's religion. I do think it's important to Danny and the prophecies that Danny has, you know, um, been mentioned in, but. I just didn't have the time to do it all. Pod pack two. Yeah, pod pack two. The return. <laughs> yeah, so this was a little bit different the than horsening. our usual thing. You know, we we actually did a a lot of research on a specific topic, and we wanted to go deep on something. And I hope we did that, and I hope it was enjoyable. Yeah, I'm curious to see what everybody else came up with too, because yeah. we didn't give them a lot of guidelines on the pod pack. No, than... I I really didn't want to like constrict too much what they could do. Right. Um, my only real guideline was. Let's try and make it not specific to the release date. Sure. Um, let's make it more evergreen than that. Right. Which so, is a very yeah. old God thing to do. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a little loosey-goosey. Trees. I don't like the hierarchy and the <laughs> the text and the rituals. I just want to be free, man. All right. Well, that's like, do we have uh, like an outro? We Other don't. Than thanks no. for participating in the pod pack. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, 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 we'll see if this is successful. We might might work in the future with other 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 shows and other communities. Yeah.